Okay, people, so let's get it cracker lacking. It's another episode of Echo Chamber. And as we do, people, let us start with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 7th to the 9th of January. All right, so at number 10. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife from director Jason Rittman, starring Finn with Wolfhard, Mackenzie Grace, McKenna Grace even, Carrie Coon, Sigourney Weaver, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and crew. At number nine, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's Encanto from Gerard Bush, Byron Howard, and Caressi Castro Smith. With um, yeah, I mean, this was it was a nice film. It was a nice film, man. Um, you know what I mean? So at number eight, we've got the new Ridley Scott. House of Gucci, you know, starring Salma Hayek, Adam Driver, Jared Leto, Al Pacino, Lady Gaga, Jeremy Irons. You know, it's a it's a talented crew involved. All right, so means at number seven. I, feel, I think this was last week. I think it was last week. I lose track, people. But it's the 355 from Simon Kinberg, starring Jessica Chistain, uh, Lapita Nungingua, Diana Kruger, Penelope Cruz, Sebastian Stan, um, Edgar Ramirez, and uh, Brinding Fan, which... I enjoyed, so don't listen to the critics because hey, it's a fun film and very well done, I will say. All right, so at number six, it is the new Steven Spielberg. It's West Side Story. Rachel Ziegler, Ansel Agard, and the rest doing their singaling ling thing. So let's get into the top five. All right, at number five, people, it is uh, The Matrix Resurrection. Keanu Reeves and Carrie and Moss are back with, um, you know, Christina Ritchie, Neil Patrick Harris, Yael Abdul Matterton II, and a bunch of um, big-time, well-known motherfuckers doing their thing, you know what I mean? Trying to save the world, all right? So, at number four, it is Clifford the Big Red Dog from Walt Becker. Our number three film, I think this is new in, right? It is a licorice pizza. Which I haven't had a chance to see. Haven't had a, it, it's supposed to be great. It's from Paul Thomas Anderson, and I enjoyed a fuck out of Paul Thomas Anderson. But um, yeah, 
you know, it's uh, starring Alana Haim. I think that might be from the group Haim, maybe. Uh, Cooper Hoffman, Sean Penn, Tom Waits. Man, I, I do want to see this, man. I really do. But uh, yeah, uh, Licorice Pizza is at number three. At number two, it is the prequel from Matthew Vaughan. The King's Man, Gemma Atherton, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Matthew Good, Ralph Fiennes, Daniel Brühl, Stanley Tucci, Charles Dance, Tom Hollander. Whew. Fat ass cast, people. But at number one, of course, it's still at number one Spider Man No Way Home. I from your boy John Watts, Zeander, Tom Holland, they're doing their thing, Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, J.K. Simmons, Benedict Cumberbunch, William Dafoe, Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx, man, yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't heard anyone say it's whack, right, I ain't heard anyone say it's whack so i do want to see that people uh you know it will come it will come all right so yeah that's the top 10 let's get into this week's film shall we people let's buckle up all right people let's start off with the new georgia clooney joint the tender bar okay so during the last London Film Festival, right, there was a, sh it was a late edition, but they showed the tender bar. Problem was, I was already locked in to check something else. So, yeah, it was one of those irritating things where, you know, conflicts, right? And you're like, oh, what am I going to watch? I don't know. I forget the film that I saw instead. But, hey, it has just dropped on uh, Prime Video. So I was able to uh, check it out, right? So this was directed by George Clooney. It is an adaptation of a book by the same name from J.R. Mohinga. J.R. Mohinga? I, I think that's how you say it, but uh, I might be wrong. <laughs> it, the screenplay is written by William Monaghan. It's produced by Clooney, Grant Hislov, and Ted Hope. Cinematography is Martin Rowe. It's edited by Tanya M. Swirling. Music is from Dara Taylor. Um, yeah, so the gist, right? It is set in 1970s Long Island, right? Um, yeah, our nine-year-old young JR, he's seeking a replacement for his father, who disappeared shortly after his birth and bonds with his uncle Charlie and the patrons at D 
Dickens a bar in Long Island. Uncle Charlie works there as a bartender and knows all the staff and regular patrons. He is charismatic and all of his friends are eager to initiate JR into their rituals. JR listens closely to the stories of these men and relies on these stories for guidance on how to live. His mother, Dorothy, is um, eager for JR to, you know, become something, right? And her big wish is for him to go to Yale or Harvard and become a lawyer. While JR, you know, he's just looking to find himself and make his mum proud. All right, so, yeah, that's the story. Now, we start off with um, young JR and Dorothy's mum. Oh, yeah, cast, cast. Um, so, well, we see two... Well, three versions of JR. Our young version, who we meet first, is played by Daniel Ranieri. We then have Ty Sheridan take up uh, the, the role. And there's a future JR played by Ron Livingston. His mother, Dorothy, is played by Lily Rabb. Um, his uncle, Charlie, is played by Ben Affleck. We have their, um, Dorothy's father, Grandpa Maguire, played by Christopher Lloyd. And I was, you know, watching it, I'm like, is that Christopher Lloyd? And I've got to say, Christopher Lloyd, he doesn't look like he's, he looks like Doc. I think he he's just seems to have looked like Doc. From Back to the Future Forever It's insane, it's kind of crazy His wife Grandma Maguire Is played by Sondra James um, A couple of paint, A few of the patrons in the bar We've got Bobo played by Michael Braun Joey Day Played by Matthew Delamita Chief played by Max Casella and then we've got a couple of JR's friends from Yale. Wesley, played by uh, Rezzy Felix. Jimmy, played by Ivan Long. And then there's Sydney. She's played by Brianna Middleton. So, yeah, people, that's the car. So, yes, as I was saying... We, we start off with them moving back home, you know, um, which, you know, is kind of establishing the situation. They've not got a lot of money. They've, they've hit some tough times, you know. Um, so, yeah, they go to stay at um, Dorothy's dad's house. And you get the feeling that they've done it a few times. Right, that's the fallback when things go wrong. 
you know, we sounds of well, yeah, when um you haven't paid rate for rent for five months, I was just like, shit, man, <laughs> you know, what I mean? the fact you were able to slide for five, that's pretty crazy. But yeah, we, we get this sense that it's something that's happened in the past, but you know, it, it, it it's not what she wants, though. JR, he's kind of happy because it's a full house, right? You, you've got Charlie there, you got Dorothy's sister there, there's some other kids, you know, the grandparents. It's just busy. And, you know, he, he kind of misses that. He enjoys that. So we see all of this and just his attachment to Charlie right? Yeah, we, we do get the whole dad thing. So his dad's a, you know, a disc jockey, right? A DJ on the radio, The Voice. And, you know, we see him listening to the radio and all of this, right? And so that's it. It's kind of establishing this, establish, you know, there's a few times where he's expecting his dad and his dad doesn't show. So we, we, we see all of this. We kind of get a look at what kind of person the dad is, right? But the mum is the bedrock. I mean, she's like trying to inspire and push him to do his best. So that is essentially the film. Now, we do, for a bit, we kind of cut between him as the older him, Ty Sheridan him, on a train, right? So that's at the start. So he's on a train talking to a priest, right? A little random. But yeah, he's talking to this priest. So we go in between that a little bit. And then we get more into the, the, the future happenings, right? Now, when we do do that jump to the future, it is abrupt. Like, you, you have the kid, and then, boom, years later, you know, it does that thing, which that seemed a little abrupt. But I did enjoy, like, for me, it, JR as a kid, that was some of the most engaging elements of the of the film to kind of see that relationship, see that, you know, because he's a sponge. So we see the learning, the understanding, just all of this kind of stuff, right? It's it's funny because we we have, you know, the narration. Right, uh, I think it's Ron Livingston, the future JR, narrating um, what's going on. Be like, yeah, so you know, we moved back home, and hey, so I went to the bar, and blah blah blah. So we get all of this, and it, it it's interesting. Now, with that narration, it there is a. Um, a Wonder Years kind of vibe, right? You know, it, it, that kind of jumped out. It, 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 there was this kind of essence of Wonder Years in the air, right? Which isn't a bad thing. You know, it, it's funny because the film kind of it goes between that 
and I'd say almost famous, right? They're, they're the kind of things that really seem to come to mind. With, well, ah, and also a green book, right? Now, I will get to that. So, yeah, we, we have all of this. We're seeing JR's life from these different perspectives, right? These different angles. And it's interesting. There's not necessarily the bite, right? And, and I mean with that is, okay, why do I care, right? Give me something to really care about. Because although we're showing all of this, we, we didn't really get the whole why. Like, why do I give a fuck about my dad? Right? That was a big thing. And I don't, I don't really feel it was properly articulated. Right? You, you have occasions with him, you know, as a little kid, you can get it a bit more, be like, oh, you know, where's dad, blah, blah, bum. But going into the adulthood, right, we hear him say, oh, I'm not hung up on this and blah, blah, blah. But obviously there's still something there, but we don't, it's like, why? Because I, I kind of think as a kid, you don't necessarily know, right? You Now we see little situations at school and stuff like this, which does kind of, it, it would make you go, oh man, like I'm the only kid without a dad or bum, bum, bum. you feel me? But then as an adult, right, you kind of figure Charlie is the dad, right? Charlie and his grandpa are the people that have then helped him, looked out for him, nurtured him. You know, from that male perspective, obviously his mum was, as I said, the driving force, the bedstone, but bedstone, bedrock. But here's the thing: what, what's the thing he he's missing as an adult, right? Now, for me as a kid, yeah, growing up, it was just like, oh man. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I wonder what the deal is with my parents and blah, 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 blah. So you think that, but then as you get older, it's just like, you know what? Uh, fuck them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you either move past it or there might, like, there would be the things like spiraling around going, oh man, I, I, I wish I knew why this happened. Why don't they? You know what I mean? There would be these things. There would be that inner monologue. But we don't have that. We don't have that. The other problem, there's a few things. I say problem. I mean, it was like there was a lot of things going down in the film, right? And it's just like, oh, I want you to go to Harvard or Yale. And then we get see him get in. Right. And then there's a mention about a newspaper and then we see him get it. 
And it's just like, where's the struggle? Right? Where's the We don't really see the struggle. You know, it, it, something gets said and then it happens. Right? That, that was a, a thing that was, you know, going down all the time in the film. You know, he'd be like, oh, yeah, and I want this, and oh, I've got it. You know, even at when we at the beginning, when we see him as the the youngster, right, Ranieri, um, the 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 whole notion of because his mum wants him to go to you know these these unions and become a lawyer because you know that's that pays money, which you understand. The the whole oh at this point I wanted to be a writer. You're like, but why? Because all we get is Charlie go to him, hey, I'm, you can borrow any of these books, right? I, I, you know, because he had Dickens, because it's called Dickens, so there's a little Dickens behind the bar, and he gives him a book, and he's just like, at this point, I, want, I knew I wanted to be a writer, and it's just like, Why? Right? There's, yeah, because Charlie just gives him a book and goes, if you read enough, if you read plenty of, something like, if you read plenty of books, you could become a writer, which, yeah, it doesn't really go like that, but hey-ho. Um, but, it, yeah, then we get a, at this point, that's when I really wanted to be, but it's just like, why? Because Charlie says it? And you look up, because if it was just like, oh, man, I really look up to Charlie, which we know he does, Right. And if, if Charlie feels I could do something, I feel that I can do so. Fine. That's something. But we don't get that. So it's just like, wait, what about this moment drove you to be a writer then? Um, like, what? You know? And I think that's that was one of the issues for me with the film. Like some of these moments were not seeing the follow-through, right? We're not seeing why this would influence, right? Why this would drive him to be, you know? That was the, that was the odd thing. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> there's another thing that I have, right? So he, he goes to uni and his two roommates, two roommates are, uh, you know, black and Asian. And this is the 70s, right? This is the 70s. It might be the 80s. Now he's at, like the early 80s. But even so, shit was crazy, right? Shit was crazy. Look, you think, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're having, oh, you went to a Black Lives Matter rally. Yeah, you're, you're changing. You're not doing shit. But understand, hey, it, it was like, yeah, you, you might have seen the footage of, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, just all of these people, which was terrible. But shit was worse, man. Like, Racism was over, 
right? A lot of the time now, it's undercover shit. It was out and proud back then. You feel me? So a lot of these big schools, and they've been called on it. Their policies, they weren't letting certain peoples in. So to then see these diverse classes and everything, it was a bit like, wait, what? Huh? And then Sydney, you know, Sydney is you know, played by Brianna Middleton, a young black lady, and just all of that, like, all of that, it'd be like, oh, you know, all the girls, it's the black one that catches my eye. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all odd and oh, I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do that. Oh, but look at me. I'm talking to a girl with ease, which was it went against what we'd seen of his character up to that point. Right. But listen, I have no issues with Sydney being black or anything like that. But. But if you're showing a period of time and you're having it like you want to have a diverse class and all of this, great, great, great. But you got to show the ramifications of all of this, right? The, the racism, the stigmas, just all of it, and they don't. Right, so it plays like, oh, all of this is hunky-dory. Yeah, no one would have said anything. No, like, yeah, everything was great. And it's just like, yo, it, it wasn't, man. We're like, what are we, what are we doing? And then we're showing, like, Sydney's parents are mixed. And it's just like, okay, right? That's what we're doing. So everything is just hunky-dory in the world, you know? And, and that was just a bit, huh. Re really? Like, it, it's, it's weird, the backbone moments that we see with him. Because we, we see him kind of act funky, at breakfast, right? And you could, like, listen, it shows the parents be a little bit dismissive, but if they don't know you and they've heard you the night before banging their daughter, <laughs> you could understand the parents are going to be a little bit you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it was these weird situations that we're seeing. But it, it's just like, huh, what, what, you know, what's happening here? Right? Um, it, like, even towards the end, there's this thing with his dad. And it's like, in this moment, like, you just see him, like, the way he was just like, Where's your phone? Right? If there was no, hey, are you okay? 
can, can I help you? It's just, where's your phone? And yeah, he did a thing, but that seems to be more for him and his past than the incident that we see. You know what I mean? Then the other thing that smacks it, he gets a lift from the police. He gets a lift from the police. What the fuck is that? Right? He gets a lift from the police. Gets a lift from the police. There's just baff these baffling moments in the film. It really is. Right? There's all the... The talk of being a writer. Now, the, 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 the later bits reminded me a little bit of Hustle and Flow. And I say that because in that film, right, you've got Terrence Howard's character wanting to be a rapper, trying to push his tape on Ludacris, but not going to open mics, not hustling, but just wanting the success and I, I kind of found with this, like, we have him go, oh, I want to be a writer. But then, you know, he only tries the New York Times after someone's like, why don't you try that? And he's like, oh, they won't want me. And she's like, huh? So we go to see him go there. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I get a job. Right, the fact that the way he gets the job again seemed mad easy. Now, maybe in real life it wasn't as easy, but in the film it's shown mad easy, right? But we have him talking about working there and going, ah, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm just doing this, but we we don't see him writing, right? Because ain't it, it, the odd thing I find, right, and in a lot of films about writing and writers, you have someone going, I really want to be a writer, but not writing, right? It, it's that funny thing of, um, you know, sometimes you go like, hey, I've been to some comic book conventions, book conventions, just all of this, like film conventions, and people are like, hey, I really want to write for you. I really want to do work on that property. And they're like, okay, so what are you doing? Oh, nothing. And it's just like, all right, well, you can self-publish, right? Especially nowadays, it's so much easier. Even back then, there was ways and means. But people just want the big break rather than the hustle. And so he's like, oh, I want to be this thing. But we don't, like, if we saw shots of him in the evenings, come home from work, writing, 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 go to work, right? Because he's living and breathing, fine. But we don't get that. We just have him, like, oh, I'm not getting the breaks. And he's like, but motherfucker, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing? You know? And it doesn't really show that. Right, so it's this odd thing that I found with the film that I, I, I felt it wanted to be this thing, but it doesn't quite deliver for me anyway. It didn't quite deliver. We don't get the, the payoffs. We, we 
understand the wants, but it's just like, but why should you get that? Right? Why? What are you doing to get that? You know what I mean? That was that was a thing. Now, it's not to say it's a bad thing. Like, it shot very well. Like, Clooney does a very nice job with the shoot. Um, and some of the performances are, gr like, Affleck killed it. Gotta say, Affleck killed it. You know what I mean? Christopher Lloyd, Lily Babb, they were all very good. Sheridan's, Sheridan, you know, Ranieri, they, they gave good performances, but it's just the character wasn't very layered. So, I don't know, there's, there's not a lot of ways for them to truly shine in those roles, you know, there is that, um, I would say, as it get, as some of the people are meant to get older, it didn't really look a lot older, <laughs> like, when you consider the time, you know, some people, they didn't necessarily look a lot older, and, uh, man, it's always, when you watch a, a film set in a period of time, one of the things I always love is the music, right? Because sometimes it's stuff you haven't heard by artists you know, and you're like, oh, shit, I don't know that one. Um, or other times it's just hearing some of your favorite shit again, right? Now, this one, it, yeah, it threw out some hits, but uh, not always by the peoples, right? And it's cover versions, and it's just like, Oh man, like I don't want to hear this song by a motherfucking cover, right? I, uh, either play the original or play something else. You know what I mean? There was that. But hey, it's uh yeah, it's out there, people. It's on, as I said, look, it's on Prime, you know what I mean? So if you read um ugh, how do you say his name again? Mo, mo <laughs> fuck, how do you, man, Mohinga, if you read his 2005 book, The Tender Bar, you enjoyed that, then maybe you want to check this out, right, um, yeah, it's, it, it's just under two hours, right, 104 minutes, you know, um, an hour and 45, essentially. I, I would say, if you like films like Almost Famous, right, you, I think this would maybe speak to you. But the thing that I think where it would speak to you more, if you enjoyed Green Book, I think mean, if you enjoyed Green Book, for, because for me, they have the same sort of failings. But if you loved Green Book, then I think this will resonate with you. For sure. For sure, people. So, um, yeah. And there you go. The Tender Bar. It's on Prime Video now, people. So, uh, yeah. If it sounds like it's something for you, hey, go uh, put up a bar stool. All right, people, it is now on Disney Plus. So let's take a look at externals. 
exter no eternals eternals people let's look at okay people so eternals has now hit disney plus which boom great couldn't see it in the cinema um and actually after seeing it on disney plus i'm very glad i didn't <laughs> because the thing i didn't know there is so much subtitles in this motherfucking film jesus christ it like the frustrating thing is that you never know this right you never know it's like if you go on to um some websites it says you know there is the potential flashing lights it could cause strokes and blah 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 they all they give that disclaimer all the time but not this film is 50% motherfucking subtitles right because it is so much <laughs> like there was subtitles in june which was frustrating but it wasn't throughout right it was just mainly on secudus secudus secundus and i could guess what was going down right but with this no there is a lot and they do that thing as well white letters on light background people we need to fucking stop we need to stop so yeah seeing it on disney plus was definitely the way to go so um yeah i you know i was very curious because a lot of people were saying it was terrible right so there was there was that coming into the film now let's do the housekeeping so it was directed by chloe zaha um she also co-wrote with patrick burley ryan furpo and kaz furpo all names that you will you know recall from other disney you know stuff right it is produced by kevin fieg and nat moore or is it nate it might be nate not nat yeah i'm saying nate yeah nate moore <laughs> we're going with that uh cinematography is ben davis it's edited by craig wood and dylan tichnor Music is Ramin Dajwadi. Um, uh, yeah, let's do our cast. The cast, we have Gemma Chan as Cersei. She is one of the Eternals, right? Um, emphatic right? She can manipulate and transform matter. Uh, we then have got Icarus, who's played by Richard Madden. Um, he can fly and project cosmic energy beams through his eyes. Um, 
we also have Kingo, played by Kamul Nanjani, right? Um, he can project cosmic energy uh, projectiles from his hands, right? Um, we have got Sprite, played by Leah McHugh. Right, so um, she can project lifelike illusions. And although, like the rest of the Eternal, she's mad old, but she looks like a 12-year-old, right? So, yeah, she's stuck in the body of a young person. Um, we then have got... Fatos, played by Brian Tyree Henry. Um, he's uh, in, he creates intelligent weapons and technology. Uh, so there's that. Uh, we've got Makari, played by Lauren Ridloff. Um, and she has a superhuman speed. Um, we've got Druke, who's played by Barry Keegan. Um, and he can manipulate the minds of others. Gilgamesh, who's played by Don Lee. He's, uh, you know, the strongest of the Eternals, right? Super strength. Um, we have got uh fina right who is played by angelina jolie she's an elite warrior who can form any weapon out of cosmic energy um we've got ajak who's played by salma hayek um the wise and spiritual leader who has the ability to heal. Uh, da, da, dum. Then there is Karun, played by Harish Patel. He's Kingo's valet. Um, there's Dane Whitman, right? Who uh, fans of Marvel Comics will probably recognize the name. He is played by Kit Harrington, um, which is that, you know what I mean? We've got a little Game of Thrones reunion with Harrington and um, Madden up in this. All right. And um, yeah, he is a, um, a teacher at the History Natural History Museum, and he's dating Cersei. Right, so we got them. Um, I think that's our kind of uh, yeah, I, that, that's the main ones. Um, we've got the main deviant who is voiced by Bill Skarsgård. Um, David Ko um, voices Arashem, the Celestial. He created the Eternals. Um, and Hazza Stamen portrays Ben, 
right? Uh, Fastos's husband and Ezzy Daniel plays Jack, their son. Um, yeah, that's the uh, that's the main lot. Now there are some people we see in the post credit scenes. There is two, one kind of mid and one at the very end. But you know, I'll leave those ones for you to uh, discover. <laughs> All right, so the gist of the film is this. Marvel Studios Eternals features an exciting new team of superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a.k.a. MCU, right? Ancient aliens who have been living on Earth in secret for thousands of years. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, an unexpected tragedy forces them out of the shadows to reunite against mankind's most ancient enemy, the Deviants. Bum, bum, bum. So, um, yes. Now, this is, like, it's ooh, two and a half hours, just slightly over two and a half hours. It's the 26th film in the MCU, right, which is frigging crazy, you know what I mean, when you, you just think of how many films, man, this motherfucking universe has uh, taken up, right, it's pretty incredible, pretty incredible, and I think the, the, the big thing as well is, right, there's there's not really loads of flops. You know what I mean? Everything is pretty solid, right? So um, this is also part of phase four. You know what I mean? Part of the phase four in the Marvel films, which started off with um Man, I feel Phase 4 started off with uh, Spider-Man, right? I mean, I, I think a lot of people will say it started with the um, uh, the Disney um, the Disney Plus stuff, right? The WandaVision, uh, Winter Soldier Falcon, you know what I mean? Loki, all of them ones, them. Right, but yeah, no. Um, I mean, it also we we got no way home up in there. Um, but yeah, no. I I think it started, or maybe it started with Black Widow. Yes, yes. You know what? Despite the last Spider Man film, book ended phase three. Yeah, after Endgame. What am I talking about? I'm rambling, people. Motherfucker. Yeah, you don't care. You don't care about any of this, do you? Nope. No, you do not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you go. Um, all right, now the I think yeah, there was a lot with this film, right? So we open up, we open up because I think a, lo a lot of people have seen 
the, the you know the trailer because it was appearing in front of films in the cinema so you know even though i avoid those things you saw some stuff but i will say it, it mainly featured stuff that we saw like from the very start of the film so that was good all right and and we open up like uh, 5000 bc you know and we see um yeah, some ripples in the water and a monster comes out, which, you know, is a deviant. And then, boom, 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 the Eternals show up, right? They show up and they fight and all of that kind of jazz. Um, we, I, yeah, so we see them on a big spaceship, right? Um you know, Asher M, he, you know, he's, he's talking to Ajak, and so we see all of this kind of stuff, right? Um, and they get their missions, you know? But then we see them on Earth with the, uh, like, Macedonia, like in Macedonia, fighting and everything like that, right? Uh, which is interesting, my big thing with this is, though, right, if we're saying they've been around all this time, then I don't know, like, because you think all of these peoples, they would, you know, incorporate them into their myths, their legends, right? So... There shouldn't really be the shock when, like, you know, the Avengers show up because there would have been this talk of peoples like this in myth and legend. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it, it I, because it was just like, listen, because I like the, the uniforms they're wearing, they're like their suits and all of that. It's cool. But you'd, think they would have maybe changed right throughout time or if they'd had Drug change people's perceptions of what they looked like so they didn't look maybe so futuristic it was just like that was just one thing that I just thought at, at, at the very start right because I'm just like huh I mean what to do with this? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's a minor thing, right? It's a minor thing. It's nothing crazy. You feel me? But we see all of this and we see them helping. Um, we then kind of jump to modern times, right? We're in a bar. We've got, you know, Cersei with um, um, Dane. Sprites there, they're doing their thing in London, and as they're walking home, a deviant shows up, right? So we get all of this kind of thing. Um, but I the the, the thing is with this, I think it's just how Dane reacts it's a little bit odd to then find like to have D 
the kind of reveal of him later on in the film. You know, because I, I mean, essentially, we don't really need Dane in this film, right? I don't, we don't really need Dane in the film, like, because you could have, yeah, basically, we could have this film without him, right? It, it, he's only there to serve the purpose of at the end for what we see, right? But that's in the post credits, it's not in the film, you know what I mean? But what he says to Cersei, and then also, like, because supposedly Sprite's been mouthing off to him, you know what I mean? Um, but one of the first things he says to her is like, why didn't you help with Thanos? Right? That's one of the first, which seems odd, right? It is, I don't think that's the first thing you say, you know what I mean? Ah, it seems like, and especially again with what we find out, like we we're shown of him, there's the same thing could be asked of him. You know what I mean? It, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing, and I don't, I just didn't believe that's one of the things you'd ask. But we see all of this, right? We see all of this. You know, we get Icarus turn up, which then you know, forces them to kind of bring the team back together, <laughs> as as it were, right? But we also get a, you know, as they're traveling, we, we go back in time, right? We go back in time and we see a lot of the things that led up to them going their own separate ways, right? So we see all of this. Which, it's, yeah, it's all right. It's, you know, it's interesting enough. But it, it, it is one of those things where you'd be like, ah, did we, I don't know if we needed all of this, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the big things. There's a lot of interesting stuff in the film but some of it, I don't know if we needed it. You know what I mean? Like, um, some of the revelations we find is, is, you know, this big thing happens to one of the Eternals, which leads to a lot of other stuff, right? Now, another thing is, is we, we later on in the film, we get a flashback to see what actually happened and it's a it's one of them things that like you'd think they've been around with each other for so long you'd recognize hints of other people's powers or just from stuff that you see you'd be like hold on thingy does that so that means wait how the fuck was thingy here when mm, 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 you know but we don't get that, right? We, we get a lot of people's behavior. It, like, we see certain things shift, but it doesn't necessarily make the most of senses. Now, there is, like, it, it, it's thrown out there because we get this, uh, Kingu makes this kind of, 
revelation when talking to one of the characters. He's just like, yo, I see us like, you know, Peter Pan characters and boom, boom, boom. But even with that, even with that, it's not really, when you think about it, the justification, I don't know, seems what we learn at the beginning, you know? And then something this character says about that period of time and loneliness and all of this. So it's just like, wait, why would they do that thing? You know, like, why would they do that thing? You know, it's just that there are the, yeah, there's these things and it doesn't necessarily, you know, a lot of there's actions that get made and you're like, uh, I mean, there's other ways, right? Surely there's other ways of doing this shit. You know, like, why would you resort to that? Like, not resort. Why is that the first go to, you know? There's other things I wondered about, right, with this. I know there's a lot of wonderings and ponderings here, people. But when we see the fights, now the fights are all fun and everything like that. But you have, like, Gilgamesh is, like, meant to be the strongest out of them. But when they're fighting these deviants, it's not like a few shots and a deviant... The deviants are taking a lot, right? It, it seems to take a lot to put them down. But it's just like, if they've... There was a time when they thought they'd wiped all the deviants. You'd be like, wait, you struggle to fight just the one. Are you believing that you... Like, how... Like, I don't know. It's, it, when you think about all of this, because we... we you know, as I said, your is meant to be the strongest of them. Like one punch isn't always rocking these things. So you know what I mean? It's just like there's sometimes in the fights where one thing might knock one down, then other times it doesn't. You know, and, and it's a bit like, wait, I thought these, I thought the Eternals were meant to be mad powerful. You know, essentially, they're meant to be more powerful than the Avengers. You know what I'm saying? So, but, like, how we see them, the power seems to shift throughout, right? seems to shift throughout, which is the, it's the odd thing. And it's kind of, I'm kind of also like, man, I'd think more of them would be able to fly than just one. Right, just having Icarus as the one only flyer, right? I'd have said at least one other would have been out of fly. And then the other thing, Gilgamesh is meant to be the strongest, but then it's just like Icarus is the one that could wipe them all out. Which you're like, hey, like, what's the levels here? Right? It's a little confusing with all the levels. But I don't also believe that Icarus is so powerful he can like blow up a ship, right? There's just a lot of there's a lot going on, but we don't really get base levels, you know. And I think that's the thing. It's it's difficult with a film like this because I think with all the a lot of the other films we had the introductions, 
you know so before the avengers happened we'd been introduced to all of these characters so we understood the strengths the weaknesses and all of that but with this you don't really get it so you're watching having to be like oh they can do this oh but they can't do this wait i thought oh now they're doing this huh okay 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 you know what i mean you're you're just having to watch and kind of be like all right i guess that's a thing and oh I, I guess they could do this and bum 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 you know but it but then also towards the end we find other characters and you're just like wait when you were talking about bringing people back together, no one mentioned this character. Why wouldn't they mention this character? You know what I mean? It, it's just a, sometimes it was a little random. Just a little random. You feel me? Like, but I think one of the biggest things is, well, there's two things for me here. Now, it's the chemistry between a lot of the characters because it doesn't, quite work right it, it's not like it's bad acting because it's not bad acting it's just you don't necessarily buy the chemistry right we don't buy that these peoples have been around each other for a millennia you know and I think that's a big thing plus there's a, I think there's a certain gravitas around, like, a lot of the superheroes we see, you know, which is the thing, right? And it is played slightly differently with characters like Hawkeye, Daredevil, you know what I mean? Kate Bishop, we see that, Echo, right? We see these differences, but with people like Thor, there's this presence, Iron Man, Black Panther, Black, you know what I mean? There's this thing, and with, like, characters like Icarus and Droog, you don't really get it, you know what I mean? We don't really get that thing, so it's a little, you know, it's kind of like, ah, do we believe, do we buy that these people are these big time heroes? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Powers, right? That, 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 that's the big thing here. And then also, like, it's that the weird credom, what is it, the weird credom? weird, I know man, it, it's this illness which does seem to come on very selectively <laughs> which you're just like wait, what? huh, okay alright, I guess I guess but one thing is, this film oh, it looks incredible the visuals are pretty motherfucking stunning man. they are, whew leaps ahead of a lot of shit they it looks good just like the tone of the film the feel of it and everything like that it is very well done it is very well done in that respect you know and they do play around with just different themes and ideas which hey not a bad thing right not a bad thing um you know 
Now, I think the, the subtitle issue is down essentially to um, Makari because, yeah, that character's death. So, like, which is fine. As a look, I have no issue with that. It's just fuck the subtitles, man. It's a killer. Jeez, it's a killer, you know? So, yeah, as as mentioned before, there's two um there's two end end credits, right? One midway through, which I mean it kind of set up a a, a potential maybe a sequel or for something to carry on in maybe the Guardians or Fantastic Four, you know what I mean? It sets, it puts in play some stuff, as does the very end, right? The very end, which does seem the only reason to have Dane Whitman in the film. You know what I mean? Which the end one does kind of throw out there two potentials, Two potential films, because there is a little sign there, which I mean they're fine, they're fun, but yeah, I don't know, not maybe as wowzer as some um end of credit scenes, but yeah, you know, but um, yeah, I mean Eternals, it's not terrible. Right? It, it, I think a lot of people have been like, oh, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to say, nah, it's not terrible. You know what I mean? I enjoyed it. But it's not as um, cohesive as other films. You know? Or some of the TV shows. Like, I think maybe like, it would have worked more as a TV as a TV show, because you would have really been able to explore things, you know what I mean? Like, with that, with a, you know, six hours, six episodes, an hour, an episode, boom. You 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 could really get in there and flesh things out. So maybe that would have been more of a thing. But, yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's not terrible. It, it, but when you're comparing it, things like Black Panther, you know what I mean, Endgame, Infinity Wars, you know, Civil War, all of them ones there, it's not as strong as those, right? But if you enjoy the MCU, if you join Marvel Comics as a whole, superhero films, people, you know what I mean, I think you'll get a kick out of it for sure, you know? So, yeah, it's on Disney+, Plus. so people, go motherfucking... Okay, and let's close the show with Mother Android. Okay, people, so, yo, I, I've been kind of looking out for this film, right? Mother Android. So it, yeah, finally dropped Hulu in the States, Netflix internationally. And, uh, yeah, I am uh, always intrigued by, you know, the Android uprising kind of thing, right? Because look, we've seen it done 
extremely well in Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. And then we've seen it done not so well. <laughs> I mean, in like Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis, oof, and other films, right? So how is this one going to go? Now, it's written and directed by Matson Tomlin, right? It's his directorial debut, but but people, he did write Project Power, right? Project Power, which was a really good Netflix film that dropped last year. Oh, not last year, in 2020. I just remember it's 2022, right? Yeah, Project Power was, I do believe it was 2020, right? It, it, yeah, it came out, I feel June, kind of early-ish lockdown kind of thing um so yeah like we, we've seen he can write a good film an enjoyable film you know what I mean but what's he gonna be like behind the camera you know it's produced by Matt Reeves who as you know people he he did a couple of the Planet of the Apes films Cloverfield um, and he's directing The Batman, right? Bill Block, who's also, um, you know, executive produced some big stuff. We got uh, Tomlin is also producing along with Rafi Crowan, Adam Kassan and Charles Miller. Cinematography is handled by Patrick Schola. It's edited by Andrew Groves. Music is from Kevin Henfram and Michelle Bushke. Um, and our cast. Well, we have Chloe Grace Moretz as Georgia. Or G. Ugh. And then later on, Squirrel. Just ugh, atrocious. Atrocious. We have um, her boyfriend Sam, played by Algie Smith. There's Arthur, played by Rule Castillo. Um, Sarah, played by Lena Gardner. Um, Lisa, who's played by Kira Pichardo. Um, Oscar Wahlberg plays Derek. Christian Mallon plays Kevin. Connor is played by Jared Renfelt. Um, and Daniel is played by Liam McNeil. Uh, Ellie is played by Stephen Fawn. Um, Mr. Olsen, uh, George's dad, is played by John F. Murris. Um his wife, Mrs. Olsen, is played by Tamara Hickey. Uh, Jason Bowen plays um, a lieutenant in the Boston Army. Um, Hannah Kim is a Korean official. Ben Zaval is a patrol officer. William Lyman is a captain. Owen Burke is Officer Norton, and Kate 
Avalon is Dr. How. Okay, so um, the gist of this film is this. On Christmas Eve, Georgia Olsen finds out that she is pregnant with her boyfriend, Sam's child. The new revelations disturb Georgia's peace as she doesn't want to become a mother at this age. Because, yeah, they're, I think, 18, right? 17, 18. They're just, I think they're just leaving school kind of age, right? Um, yeah, Sam tries to console Georgia and ask her to marry him, but she is unsure about the relationship. Georgia decides to hide the secret from her parents. In a hurry, she leaves behind her phone in the bathroom and walks out of the house to attend a college Christmas party. An android, Eli, owned by the Olsons, wishes Sam happy Halloween instead of Christmas at the door, signaling the arrival of impending horror. At the Christmas party, the members witness a loud, shrill screech, similar to a technical glitch, and soon after, an android named Daniel turns violent. Daniel attacks Georgia and Sam, and they run away from the house. Due to the glitch, smartphones start exploding, killing their users. On the streets, Georgia and Sam witness the doom. Nine months later, Georgia, expecting her baby, has taken shelter in the forest with Sam. The couple are trying to get to a fortified Boston. They have heard rumors about a boat that is transporting new mothers to Asia where they can find a peaceful life. But to reach Boston, Georgia and Sam have to cross a no-man's land filled with deadly androids. So this... It is an intriguing film. It's an intriguing film. It does do that irritating thing, though, of start at a point that we know certain information, right? And then we, we go back. It's like, how, how do you leave someone behind? Truly leave someone behind. And we see Georgia in front of a fire, holding a photo, right, so we see that, which, ah, man, it, it's a little irritating, because it gives you a clue of something, so then throughout the film, you're wondering at what point, right, does maybe something happen, you know, and I just think they could have made that very intro a little bit more ambiguous, you know, like, if they had had her in front of the fire going, you know, something like, what happens if life doesn't go the way you expect? How do you pick up the pieces? How do you move forward? Like, something like that, I think, would have worked maybe a little bit better. But we then, so we then jump to um, them in the bathroom. And, you know, she's done a several <laughs> pregnancy tests. And it's not good, right? And you see the it's like it's not the best of situations, right? There is a weirdness between the two, right? There's a friction, and 
yeah, Georgia says shit. <laughs> she says, like, Georgia is a bit of a cunt. You know what I mean? But that's not a bad thing, right? I think when, you, you know what I mean, you consider their age, it's a little understandable, right? That, you know, the consequences of being a mother. It's a little, you know, it, it, it could close down doors, right? Now, depending on the level of support and finances, yeah, they, they, you can still do certain things, but it's all very dependent on, you know? And then also, yeah, time isn't really your time anymore. You know what I mean? So there's so much. So, yeah, I feel you can definitely understand, especially when shit ain't planned. You know what I mean? And you're just trying to figure out fucking life at that age. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, I um, people are a lot older who still trying to figure out life. You feel me? So I think, as I said, look, yeah, she's a bit of a cunt. But, yeah, that's good. It's good and it does make it more realistic right i think we also see sam's character at this in in this beginning he's trying to console her but then when they're out of the bathroom with the parents and even at the party right a lot like other people are just like you know robot get my jumper get my thing but you see notice sam he uses the names Right, where other people aren't, he's like, Eli, um, could you do this for me? Or, or Daniel, uh, could I have, you know what I mean? And, and he's not just, ugh, slave, do this for me, right? Which you see a lot of people have that sort of attitude, you know what I mean? Which, yeah, if you're treating people like that, you can kind of understand an uprising. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not like we've not seen it before. People need to understand. Hey, you treat slaves like slaves. Slaves going to revolt. You know what I mean? Hey, if you have the robots and you're treating them well, right? You're paying them or, you know what I mean? Boom. You've got an equal kind of situation. But, yeah, it, it, it's never a good sign. But yeah, so we, we see Sam, right? Who Sam is in these interactions. And yeah, as mentioned, right? There's this loud screech. And, you know, it's a bit like, oh, what the fuck's going on? And then suddenly we hear screams, screams, right? The, the fact that some of the people weren't a bit like, Oh no, you know, with the screech, because it's not like we've not seen it in films, right? But even if you haven't, for a noise like that to go over everyone's phone kind of means something is awry, right? But yeah, the robots are going crazy. And then, yeah, the phones explode. And I was like, you know what? That is fucking genius. Because firstly, you know, I imagine the screech is a kill switch signal, right? To trigger the androids. You know what I mean? 
So that was smart, right? Because everyone's got a smartphone. So, hey, it's a, a smart delivery mechanism. And then to explode the phones? Damn. Again, everyone's got phone. That's genius, man. Genius. And especially because you imagine some people, boom, phone to the ear. We're like, hey, uh, uh, trying to get through, trying to make calls. So, yeah, boom, headshot, son. And I, I've not, I don't believe I've seen that in another film. So I thought that was very smart, very smart. So, yeah, we then, we we have them in the woods. We have them in the woods. And, yeah, it, it's nine months later. Um, we see they're still together, right? And, uh, yeah, Georgia is a very much, whew, due to bust. Due to bust. So we have all of this going down, right? Um, and they're trying to work out what to do, you know what I mean, the plans, and they talk about this initiative. But uh, still, Georgia's saying certain things, you know what I mean, saying for just being a bit of an arse, bit of an arse. Um, but that's good, right, because we get, we see them together, which you think, yeah, you know, when the world's falling apart, you don't want to just go off on your own. So that makes sense. But for them just to be fully in love and just all of it, you just be like, ah, but from where they were to there? I know, man. So it was good to see there was still a little up in there. You feel me? But yeah, so we're seeing them trying to work things out, right? They go to a camp. Um, which issues, there is issues. Now, there is an incident that happens in the camp, right? It is a bit weird that we we don't get anyone saying, well, it, this happened, right? That was a bit weird. Because why would you keep quiet? You know what I mean? So that that was a little odd, but they leave there and there's problems and we see them again trying to figure things out, you know? Um, now, when they try and do this thing, you think, All right, I mean, I get, the, I get the thinking. I get the thinking. But they then just, man, they, 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 Doodle too much, dwindle, uh, linger, linger. That's what I mean. yeah, linger. They linger a little too long somewhere. Not good. And then they're attacked. Right now, everything that comes from this, it's interesting, right? Because I think you 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 watch what plays out in a certain way, and you're thinking, all right, it's it's feasible. But you do have questions. You know what I mean? You definitely have questions. But then, you know, things go down, right? And it, it's, you just look at it and you think, I mean, 
it, it is is it's not likely. It's not likely. We do get a bit of a deuce machina situation, which you wonder what changed. What changed, homie? Right? But again, no, no asking. But I mean, I guess time and everything with this incident. But from there, ooh. Yeah, 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 we do get thrown. We do get thrown a little something, which I liked it, right? It reminded me of an episode of, I feel it was, I feel it was The Outer Limits, right? And it was about aliens attacking the Earth. And, um, you know, they'd captured some humans and they were on a ship getting interrogated and every day they take someone and bring them back and you know they've they've done shit to the person and one day they throw someone else in there and yeah they're like they're torturing they keep on taking this person and it looks like they're trying to turn them into one of them and you know the person's like i just wish i just wish i knew we would we could get some revenge and oh man, at this moment, like certain things get said, and the reveal is crazy. And I thought that was awesome. And um, yeah, this kind of goes like that, and it's great. It's a great little reveal. Now, w- like the the end plays out in a certain way, right? Which I think it does. Like it makes sense for their situation. You know what I mean? So that. Boom, I'm fine with that. The only problem I have, right, because they believe that, you know, Korea is taking people. My thing is this, right? Where are a lot of the electronics made? Like Sony, (laughs) you know, Nintendo. Right, Samsung, Toshi, they're all based in Asia. So, with all, you know, I mean, these tech-based cities and all of that, you're telling me there's no fucking androids? You know what I mean? That I, I, that I have a, I'm a little baffled by, right? Because I'm just a bit like, huh. Like, now... I'd um, I'd have said, you know, what I mean, maybe more third world countries that don't have the same financial, you know, what I mean, infrastructure. So they're not so tech based. So maybe they didn't have a crazy heap of androids. I'd be thinking that that would make a little bit more sense to me. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Now, we then, the the very ending of the film, though, it's cold. It is cold, man. But it makes sense. It makes sense when you remember the, you know I mean, the situations from the beginning, like, and all of that. And I liked it. I liked it, right? Because you're just like, of course, of course that would happen, 
especially after what we've just seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's a little cold. I mean, it's more a little cold. It's cold as fuck. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I thought that was a very good way to end this film. Right? Because I don't think it works any other way. You know? And I, you know, watching this couple and the way they interact and are and all of that, yeah, I I like that kind of thing because look, we've seen things like um, the quiet space, the quiet space, quiet place. I think that's what it's called. I feel that's what it's called, the quiet place. You know, but you know, you know, right? Um, and they they're a loving couple. Right, and that's fine, but not everyone's a you know a completely loving, you know, what I mean, caring couple. So it was good to see this reality. Now, it does then mean the, the film is a little colder, right? Coarser, so. You know, you don't necessarily completely gel with it all, right? But I think it's it's very logical in everything we see. And yeah, it makes sense. So I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Now, I, I, I wouldn't say I loved it, but I did enjoy it. You know what I mean? So, hey, if you like Android apocalyptic, Films, you know what I mean? Bleak dystopian futures, then Mother Android, I think it would be for you. And you know what I mean? I will say, I will say that, uh, yeah, it was decent direction, man. Like we had some very good performances, you know, and Tomlin showed. He can, you know, do his thing. He can handle a film. You know what I mean? So, yeah, people. Mother Android. It is now out. Hulu in the States. Netflix International. Okay, people, as we draw to a close on another episode, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of films. So this was a little interesting, but it seems um, Anton, Anton, Antonio, Ant, Anton, Farouk? Eh, I never know how to pronounce that name, man. But he's reteaming with Denzel Washington for a third installment of The Equalizer, which is interesting, right? I've, I've kind of figured with the Queen Latifah TV series that that meant the films were done. But no, looks like we're going to get a third film. Um, yeah. You know. I don't know, they were okay, they they didn't really light anything up, but, you know, alright, it's happening. Um, hey, we're getting a remake of To Catch a Thief, 
right? One of the classic Alfred Hitchcock Hitchcock pieces, right? So, um, yeah, in the original, Cary Grant was a retired cat burglar, but you know, he has to come out of retirement to um, prove his innocence. And it looks like uh, Dot is going to be taking up that role, right? So um, Ellen Jones is going to write the script, um, and Godot is going to produce along with Jaron Barrasano and Neil Moritz. Um, also at Paramount. Now, this is interesting because I thought this was set up somewhere else, but Paramount have, um, yes, yeah, supposedly won the bidding rights to Children of Blood and Bone, right? This is from author Tommy Tommy Adeyemi. Right, um, it's the, the you know the first book of a trilogy. Um, I, I believe the second book is out, and the third book is due next year. Right, it follows Zedi Adabola as she attempts to restore magic to the kingdom of Oshari due to the ruling class of brutal suppression of the class of magic practitioners that she belongs to. So, yeah, uh, that is coming. And um, Paramount have also picked up uh, Little Dixie, right, which is, um, yeah, a, a new film written and directed by John Schwab, right? It's starring um, Frank Grillo, Right, who plays a doc, a man who facilitates a fragile truce between the governor and a cartel trading prosecutorial leniency for finance. When this truce dissolves, Doc is left to fend for himself and protect the one untainted thing in his life, his daughter, little Dixie. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound preposterous, but hey, it's uh, it's a thing, right? Um, so yeah, if that if those sound um, enticing, uh, we also have um, all fun and games. Right, this is a um, new film starring Asa Butterfield and Natalia Dyer. Dyer right, um, it's a horror thriller and follows a group of siblings who are pulled into a kid's game with a demonic twist. It is written by Ari Costa and Erin Selabuglu, right? Um, and they also co-direct. Um, then we have um, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, which is the new Wes Anderson piece uh, for Netflix. It's an adaptation of uh, Ronald Dahl's short stories. Right? Um, 
it you know it's also going to be starring Benedict Cumberbunch, Dev Patel, Ralph Fiennes, and Ben Kinsley, and it's, uh, it's a, a collection of mini films supposedly. So uh, yeah, well, there you go with that. Um, all right, so we've got um, you know we we looked at Wrath of Man a couple of weeks back and Guy Ritchie has another film right in the works this one's coming through MGM who's going to be distributing in the states where Amazon will be doing it internationally so um yeah it's a basically um it's a bit of a war kind of film. So Gillen Hall is playing Sergeant John Kinley, a soldier on his last tour of duty in Afghanistan. When his team, when he's teamed with local interpreter Ahmed to survey the region, when their unit is ambushed on patrol, Kinley and Ahmed are the only survivors. And with enemy combatants in pursuit, Ahmed risks his life to carry an injured Kinley across miles of grueling terrain to safety. On U.S. soil, Kinley learns that Ahmed and his family were not given passage to America as promised. Determined to protect his friend and repay his debt, Kinley returns to the war zone to retrieve Ahmed and his family before local militia reach them. So, um, yeah, Richie is directing and he co-wrote the script with Ivan Atkinson and Man Davis. So there is that. Um, now, Disney are um, doing another live action. This one, a live action of one of their classic cartoons. This one is Snow White. In my head, I figured they'd already done Snow White, but supposedly they have not. So Snow White will be played by Rachel Zegler, and Prince Charming is going to be played by Andrew Burnham. So, uh, yeah, there is that. Um, yeah, it is being written by Benji Pask and Justin Paul. Um, Mark Platt is producing. Um, I don't know who's directing to be... Oh, Mark Webb is directing the film. Oh, and Gal Gadot is going to be playing the evil queen. Ah. So, uh, yes. Um, now, some more news. Like, so, yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home is the number one film in the UK. And its director, John Watts, has been um, tapped to, uh, yeah, bring back the Final Destination franchise. All right? So, this will be the SIP film. Right, it's getting written by Laurie Evans Taylor and Guy Buzik, with um, what's adding to the screenplay. Right, um, 
Yeah, he what's he's going to be producing with his wife Diane McGungal McGungal, I think. Um, yeah, Craig uh, Perry, Shyla Hannon Taylor are also going to be producing the film. Um. And I think this is going to be a HBO Max exclusive. All right, so we have that. Now, this is uh, interesting, right? Because, yeah, last year, you know, Quiet Place 2 dropped, and then we learned that they're doing a spin-off film, right? Expanding the universe. And um, originally... Jeff Nichols was meant to be doing that, but uh, he stepped away from the project. But And then, yeah, it was like, uh, what's going to happen with it? Well, we now know because Michael Samusky is, uh, he's going to be um, the new director, right? Um, and if you're wondering who is he, he directed Pig which was, um, yeah, a very successful piece. So, um, yeah, no, that's all good, people. That's all good. Uh, so um, we looked at Eternals. Another film in phase four is The Marvels, right? The, the sequel to Captain Marvel. And Laura Cartman has come on board to um, score the piece, right? So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. She um, she did the music on Lovecraft Country, which was very good. So uh, it bodes well, people. It does bode well. Um, now, some other news, right? So, uh, yeah, Searchlight Pictures have just picked up fresh the um, new film from Mimi Caves, right? It's a horror piece. Um, so it stars Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan, right? Um, it's about a woman tired of app dating um, gives her number to the awkwardly charming cosmetic surgeon Steve after a produce section meet you at the grocery store. A subsequent date at a local bar turns into a chemistry-laden hookup. She accepts his invitation to an impromptu weekend getaway only to find he has been hiding some unusual appetites. Dum dum dum. Um, it's getting written by Lauren Khan. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be. Um, it's a Disney piece, so it's hitting Hulu in the states and stars internationally. So uh, yeah, that's fun. That is uh, all good. And let's end with this, right? So Red Notice is, um, yeah, I think Red Notice is the it was the biggest film on uh, Netflix, 
I feel it was. There's um, you know, word that don't look up may have overtaken it, but it was a huge success, right? And obviously, the way it ended uh, kind of spoke to more to come. And that is exactly what's happening, right? But Netflix are doing a, a wise move. Um, well, you, you kind of figure it's a wise move with the cost of all the people involved, right? And then adding to it. But yeah, only if it's, you know, the, the first sequel is a success because they're making two back-to-back, right? Two big budget sequels back-to-back. It looks like Rawson Marshall Furder will be back writing and directing. Um, They feel that the filming is going to start early 2023, right? And uh, yeah, it it sounds like it might have a Ocean's Eleven vibe to it. But people, that's us. We are done. So uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Enjoy your film watching. Peace.